Where to next podcast, season two, episode seven. Hi there, I'm Angelica, your host and producer, and welcome aboard to our monthly podcast, Where to Next, brought to you by the Office of International Safety and Security here at Kennesaw State University. In this space, we talk about all things student travel, from what to pack to navigating identity while abroad. So fasten your seatbelts, all of you globetrotters and adventure seekers, as we prepare for takeoff. Hey there, listeners. We're glad you're tuning in, and we hope you've been doing well. If this is your first episode you're listening to, hi there. Welcome. And we hope you can take away ideas for some cross-cultural engagement. With me is my wonderful co-host, Erin Rash, Director of the Office of International Safety and Security here at Kennesaw State University. Hey, Erin, how you doing? I'm doing well, Angelica. How are you doing this lovely Monday? It is lovely. It is so nice outside and it's warm, finally. (laughs) So excited about that. (laughs) Yes. And with this warmer weather, it is natural to want to get out there more and do more. But with us being travelers, we understand the call to explore, but we also understand that we need to do so responsibly so that we can actually enjoy our future international adventures to the fullest. And as we're waiting for safer travel to pick back up, one way to explore responsibly, especially for our student population, is virtual education abroad programming. And today, Erin and I have the perfect guest to speak with us about this topic, the Director of Education Abroad here at Kennesaw State University, Nadine Jones. Hey, Nadine. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. We're very excited that you're here. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. As we all know, ladies, over the last year, we have experienced much more virtual interaction in our daily lives, whether it's meetings gone virtual or conferences moving to an online setting or even here at KSU, the virtual classrooms. So naturally, more institutions and universities are wanting to consider how to incorporate more collaborative online international learning opportunities or COIL for short. And KSU is one of these universities that is and has been implementing this type of pedagogy. But let's back up a little bit and actually define international online programming, virtual abroad programming. What exactly makes this type of programming international? What's the makeup of it? I feel like it is such a big umbrella because there are, there is COIL or collaborative online international learning, which has been around for quite some time, but especially due to the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic on in-person experiences, um, these types of programs have really been brought to the forefront. It's their time to shine. I think that, um, You know, I think we're seeing a lot of interchangeable words and like names being used for essentially what are online international engagement experiences or online global learning experiences. And so 
that might be something like collaborative online learning. It might be something a little bit different from that. Um, and I think what we're seeing is there's not necessarily a one size fits all, but that all of these programs have something in common and that's that they offer alternative opportunities for students to gain some of the exposure and experience that they might from a study abroad um, the same way they could do it from, you know, uh, international exchange online or even something like a virtual study abroad program. So I don't know. I think they're all really great programs and faculty are coming up with really creative solutions for students. And I think students are also finding themselves to be really impressed by the opportunities and how much they learn from these opportunities, even without the in-person travel component. Great. And I know that there's definitely some uh, inherent challenges with, with having to adapt to a virtual platform. And I'm just curious, what kinds of activities would one expect in you know, a virtual abroad program in lieu of immersion? Yeah, I mean, so it's, it's definitely gonna vary um, because Every, just like every study abroad program is different, every virtual program is different, but I think students can expect a variety of different thematic content. So whether it's a general international intercultural theme, or it might be something more specific like country specific or topic specific. For example, it might be business in Germany, or it could be again, just an intercultural competency building kind of experience. So I feel like in terms of content, variety of guest speakers, um, local people who have expertise in a certain international context, but it could also be guest speakers who live in other countries and who work in other countries, who are students in other places, virtual tours, some, you know, watching videos or movies or, you know, your course content and readings will definitely be probably thematic based in terms of all relating to an international concept or a location or a culture or a combination of all of these things. So it really does um, depend, but I think that's what you can expect. So with a, you know, with a in-person study abroad experience, you may be doing um, visits to local businesses or local schools or meeting with local students. And so you might be doing some of those same things, but online via Zoom or whatever platform is being used at the time. And with that said, again, kind of the theme is really, is really broad. So the modalities are also very broad. One program might be, you know, using Zoom and it might be synchronous, while another one could be completely asynchronous and it could be a lot of different recordings and videos and interviews and things like that. So every program is different, but with that, I think there's something for everyone. And you talked about the virtual tours and I was just thinking back to our time in the uh, self isolation period in the early days of lockdown and just how exciting it was that so many different uh, venues and, and historical landmarks were opening up their doors virtually to the world and how exciting it was to, granted, 
not be able to go to Paris, but perhaps to visit the Louvre from your kitchen. Yeah, it's actually been really great. And I think has opened up so much more accessibility. You know, you, I haven't had the opportunity to travel in person and see the Louvre, but now that things are virtual, you know, that is something that I can do and explore in my own time for little to no cost, right? So that's another thing is these experiences are so much more accessible to such a wide range of people with various goals and various, you know, budgets and things like that. So yeah, I think uh, now if you just do a quick Google search of like virtual museum tours, I mean, the possibilities I feel like are pretty, pretty endless right now. And I've even heard of, um, you know, some uh, faculty or instructors getting on, you know, Google Earth and doing virtual walking tours of different cities uh, by sharing their screens on Google Earth and taking students around in that virtual space. So, and of course that's a free tool that's available to everyone. So it just requires a little bit of creativity, but I think there's a lot of opportunities there. That sounds like fun. I want to take does. a walking tour. I know. <laughs> I I did a couple of those last year, you know, because of quarantine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, it was like you said, Nadine, it's more accessible. I went on this one virtual excursion and it was through Croatia. I never would have thought I would I would be in Croatia virtually, but it was like I was I was there almost the way that they described everything and they showed everything. In this case, they used Zoom. It was synchronous and uh, it was it was pretty fun. I liked it. I would have not known that information if I didn't go online and look for any type of international experience I could get at the time. <laughs> and did it make you want to actually visit Croatia? Yes. Like seeing these things online just make me even more excited to eventually Um, have the opportunity to see them in person too. Yeah, that's something I was wondering about is um, I know that this is a relatively new platform and and relatively new uh, portfolio of programs, but I'm wondering, you know, does this virtual abroad programming, you know, translate in some way into, you know, study abroad or increased physical mobility to international locations for students? I definitely think so. I How can it not? Again, not to beat the drum too hard, but I feel like the possibilities are endless. Just kind of like harness, it's almost too much in a way because it's like, wow, there are so many different options and opportunities. How do we kind of harness that and, and create, you know, a, a one singular experience or program um, because it's kind of like a kid in a candy store or something like that. But Um, I think that there's maybe some concern, um, and there's certainly conversations happening about, you know, is this the future of study abroad? And I don't see it as that. I see it as like an enhancement. It's an, an alternative. It is something that can even be done in conjunction with an in-person study abroad program. So, I mean, whether a student is participating in a virtual study abroad because they can't travel in person right now, or maybe they might be nervous 
about maybe they've never traveled before and they kind of want to, I don't know, dip their toes in the water. I think this is also a great opportunity for them too, because like, okay, let me kind of see what some of the things I might learn or experience, um, kind of get a feel for it. And I think what we've seen is students have really been surprised at how transformative an online experience can be. And it gets them really excited and engaged with whether it's their local international community or pursuing future, you know, study abroad opportunities or maybe even like career opportunities abroad. It's all kind of experimental too. I mean, to be honest with you, I think we're all kind of, there is a huge foundation there that has been laid from, especially for collaborative online international learning COIL we're still kind of expanding upon that and kind of navigating through it. So again, this, I don't think there's one right answer or one way to do it. Um, but I think the pandemic has really kind of forced everyone to really tr- at least try, see what, what can we do? What can we come up with and how can we um, solve this problem of not being able to travel in person? It's challenging us to really see things in a different light And also see opportunities that were there, but we just didn't grab hold of it. We Mm -hmm. are ever so interconnected, our society, with different countries, different societies, different cultures, and we learn from them and it influences us in our daily lives because, you know, we're grabbing onto whether it's social media or something of that nature, but to finally incorporate this into the realm of education abroad, like you said, Nadine, it is it's an endless opportunity, especially when you have that, that faculty member that, that can really make this an engaging, memorable experience, even if it is through your computer or phone. I'm wondering about the faculty and what um, sort of benefits are there for them to, you know, harness from these COIL and virtual education abroad programs? I think that a lot of the benefits are similar. I do think there's maybe a few more challenges, right? Because our, we really rely on our faculty members to kind of be the inventors in a way, Um be the curators and the Division of Global Affairs and of course the Education Abroad Office, we are always open and excited when we hear that faculty are interested in offering this kind of opportunity because, um, you know, with it being somewhat of a, again, it's not a new, um, it's not a new thing, but it's, kind of newly popular or it's receiving a lot of attention right now. And especially our faculty who wanna kind of continue to build the momentum. I think looking at offering something virtually is natural. And so I think for them, again, it's kind of like you don't have as many barriers to, you know, for students, how many students and the type of students that you can bring in, bring in the fold. Um, so again, it's it's things where uh, ma- there are things that you can do online that you cannot do in person, just like there's things you can do in person that you cannot do in line, online. So I think with that said, the faculty that are 
offering this, it, they're not only gaining something for, for themselves, but of course there's power and um, passion behind that and being able to provide these opportunities for students. But again, it's more flexibility with when something is being offered, where it's being offered, who you're able to partner with. So faculty might have research interests or um, you know, uh, curricular interests that don't necessarily work in an in-person environment or maybe would be extremely expensive to achieve, or maybe it's a very remote location, um, all sorts of different things. I mean, again, with, with taking things virtually on online, you're kind of opening up a lot of doors. Um, I think with that set, with that comes also challenges, but um, the adaptability and flexibility, which is something that we talk a lot about with study abroad uh, for both students and faculty. I think that's a skill too that you gain with participating, leading and or participating in a virtual program because you might have something great planned and your internet goes out or your connection is bad or the technology isn't working the way you want it to work. And so in real time, you might need to start pivoting and problem solving and um, adjusting accordingly. And so those are things that we see in in-person programs that also in different ways impact our online programs. So I know that was a very long-winded answer to your question, but. <laughs> no, you provide very good information because I'm sure our faculty, and I'm sure you've heard Nadine, our faculty might have some concerns about how to do it actually, how yeah. to make a virtual program or how to make maybe an existing class have an international component to it. Uh, but as we said before, earlier in this podcast, KSU has been doing that. We do have experience in incorporating virtual international connections with their classes. Absolutely. And I would encourage any faculty who are interested in doing something like this to reach out to, to myself, to the Education Abroad Office, to the Division of Global Affairs, because we can connect you to other faculty who have um, offered virtual international experiences in the past. We can connect you to different online resources. KSU has several bilateral reciprocal exchange programs. So maybe that's something that we can help um, build a program around. So I think there's a lot that we can do if we just kind of reach out to each other. I'm just really excited to see how many uh, new doors this is going to open up for us to make new connections and perhaps see uh, an increase in, you know, programming offered in perhaps non-traditional study abroad locations or with new institutions and get some new ideas and voices in the mix. It'll be exciting. Yeah. And I think we really are going to see that. I've been, um, actually, I was talking to a group of faculty who are almost kind of developing this like year round program that kind of culminates in an in-person study abroad experience, but harnesses a lot of what we've been talking about in terms of virtual connections and opportunities and engagement, um, kind of pre and post travel. So again, it's not only to it's not only an alternative or a replacement option. I think that even once international travel resumes, we're still going to see a lot more international virtual programming. 
-hmm. and opportunities. And I think um, what I was going to mention earlier in terms of, you know, the pandemic really challenging everyone to kind of think creatively, we all went virtual for, for a long time. And so it was kind of forced adaptation for, for some people who may have not previously considered teaching online or taking an online class. So I think something that everybody has gained is a little bit more comfort in, you know, working with these different platforms that support online learning. Um, so it's a little bit less intimidating now, I think, than maybe it was in the past, which may have been a barrier for both faculty and students. So hopefully now that everyone at this point, I feel like has experienced an online class, whether teaching one or taking one, um, hopefully there will be there will be more interest in enrolling or signing up for these kinds of opportunities. So we'll continue to try and offer them. I hope so. I'm happy to hear that uh, the conversation that you had with the few faculty with the year round program, because one thing that might be intimidating to students and faculty, I'm sure if they haven't gone to that location, once you actually get there, you're meeting your contacts possibly for the first time. Mm -hmm. It's just been either over phone or Zoom or email. But I like the idea of having it year round where you start out having the virtual connections first and the interactions mm -hmm. and you're getting to know people, your classmates are getting to have that, that kind of interaction. And then you go there and you already know someone there. Yeah, you get to build that rapport um, with with your partners, but also like in your your group, right? So mm -hmm. for a study abroad, like if, if it's, let's say a faculty-led study abroad program where it would be a group of students all going with KSU faculty, sometimes the first time they meet in person is at an orientation or even sometimes at the airport, you know? So with these, you at least, you know, you get to know each other too mm -hmm. before um, the program actually takes place. Um, for those who are participating in the in-person component. And we will certainly have more information available. Um, we're still in kind of in the pre-planning stages for that, but always visit our website <laughs> to find um, to find kind of the latest thing that we're working on. And I think with that, I also want to make a plug for our website. My office has actually kind of curated um, some different options for students. So on our homepage on the Education Abroad website, there's a link that says virtual programs. And so we've kind of highlighted some virtual programs that are currently available that students can um, look into or apply for. That includes KSU programs, also programs outside of KSU. Well, we actually have a break coming up and we're going to talk about just that. So listeners, sit tight. We'll be with you back in a sec. Hey students, this is Kwame from Global Affairs. Interested in getting involved with virtual study abroad programs but don't know where to start? Visit our study abroad website where all our international programs, including virtual ones, are housed. From short-term programs to internships, you have the opportunity to increase your global intercultural engagement while getting credit for it, of course. Visit the link in the description of this episode to visit Studio Abroad to see what programs best fit your goals. Not quite sure which ones to pick? Our Education Abroad program coordinators are here to speak with you to answer any questions you may have. What are you waiting for? Go ahead and start planning your virtual voyage. 
And we are back. We have with us Aaron Rash, the Director of International Safety and Security, and Nadine Jones, the Director of Education Abroad. Now, we were talking about the benefits of virtual programming, international virtual programming, and also what it could look like. When we actually have an example here at KSU, Nadine, would you like to talk a little bit more about our professor? Sure, yeah. So last year, as you know, the, the pandemic kind of grew and we had to make the difficult decision to cancel our education abroad programs, um, we had a few faculty members actually that were able to kind of quickly pivot um, online. And one of them is Dr. Mona Sina. And she had planned a um, business program to Italy. And so she, you know, kind of started thinking really creatively and reached out to different resources across campus, some people that she personally knew or knew of that had um, specific expertise in different areas. So KSU's Department of Architecture, Art History, Music and Entertainment Business. So using kind of local experts in international or Italian um, kind of topics was something that she was really able to incorporate into her program. But also she was able to even reach out to local businesses because I think for study abroad, I have to put the study in study abroad. And so one thing that she was able to do with her um, group was they did a virtual Italian cooking class. So she partnered with a local Italian restaurant here in Atlanta and all of the students had kind of the different ingredients shipped to their homes and they all got online virtually and learned how to make um, an Italian dish. She, she got very creative and did a lot of great things for her students. And I think was very, all the students were very excited now to go to Italy in the future. She took lemons and made limoncello. <laughs> yes. Sorry, I wanted to put that in. <laughs> we're definitely yeah. including that. Yes. <laughs> And we actually have some sound bites from a presentation that Dr. Monasina did explaining her programming. Let's listen to what she has to say. So then I started thinking about that to get these other elements, art, architecture, you know, all of these things, what do we have within Kennesaw State? And I didn't know people, but I would just look them up on faculty web and then call them and leave these very urgent <laughs> messages and email them and say, can you please talk to me? And would you be willing to help my students? And you know, so on and so forth. And they all agreed to be on campus on like a Saturday or a Sunday and everything. And so when we went virtual the week after, it was just like, okay, we're going to do it on Collaborate. And um, I did practice sessions with each of them because at that time, remember, not all of us were familiar with this technology. So I would do little practice sessions beforehand, make sure they were familiar before they came to class. So I found Professor Kiernan, and we've never met, but we've talked extensively on the phone and on Collaborate, and he was teaching art history, which is why I, you know, grabbed him and said, please help. So it was amazing when he came to class, you know, he talked about Italian uh, culture, 
she also talked about his archaeological digs. And one of my students actually went on to join his team and she's going to be going on an archeological dig after that. And she's helping him put together a library project um, on this because she was so interested in it. So he talked a lot about uh, this. Then I had uh, you know, the chair of the architecture department. So I kind of knew about him because I was at Southern Poly first and so was he. So I said, remember me? And even if you don't, I was at Southern Poly. So like, can you, would you consider? He says, yeah, sure. He went over and beyond. So he prepared these, you know, slide after slide of this building and that architecture and this. And like, he gave us homework and we were like, okay, wait, that's a lot. It was like drinking from a firehouse. But at the end, the students were like, you know, we learned more about Roman architecture in Rome and in Florence than we would have had we been there. Because when we go there, we'd go to the key places, right? We wouldn't have been able to see these little place in this little alley and this little other place, you know, in this little town. We wouldn't have known about them. So in fact, in one of the feedback comments that a student gave, um, he said, I'm actually now more interested in going to Italy, which sparked a thought in my mind that we always think about just convincing students, let's go on a study abroad. But what if we had like a precursor series, you know, something that people, students could take as a course, right? Um, it could be this immersion program virtual. Um, there are so many different things. Like, so we could watch movies, you can watch these things, you can get speakers from local Atlanta area. And it could actually pique their interest in actually going and studying abroad. Well, this has been, I feel like a game-changing conversation. And also, we don't want to forget our parents out there. There are benefits for the parents as well. One being it's less expensive. Huge so one. yes, very huge one for parents who are worried about that, or they might have any concerns about that. That's a plus. Also, there are less variables when it comes to safety and security concerning virtual programming. You don't have to worry about your child maybe walking home a little bit later at night because they'll be in their dorm or at the house on the computer learning about Italian cooking. <laughs> yeah, plus they get a meal out of it, right? Right. <laughs> and learn to cook. And learn to cook. Life skills. Yes. <laughs> As we said before, it might, some people might have some concerns or might be a little bit more apprehensive to virtual programming, but listen back to this episode, there are benefits to it. One of my favorites is that it is more accessible and you can access this information from this podcast, or you can go down to the description box. And Nadine said before, the information that we included in this episode, it will be included in the blurb and on our website. So if you have any questions, you can email us or call us. We are available, faculty and students. We will answer your questions if you have any questions about how to start virtual programming. But yeah, Nadine, thank you for joining us. <laughs> thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure talking to you both. Great. And listeners, thank you for listening. If you liked this episode, check out some of our past episodes. If you think they're pretty interesting, click that like button and don't forget to subscribe and follow us so that you can get updates for when a new episode drops. We hope you enjoyed this talk. And if you did, feel free to share with friends and family so that we all can talk more about where 
to next.